Today, we are going to be concluding one series and starting another at the same time. We're concluding the High Altitude Faith series that we began six weeks ago, where we've been following Jesus's mountaintop experiences in his ministry in the book of Matthew. And the first one was an obvious mountaintop experience that happened right after he was baptized and after he spent some time in the desert. He came down, he started healing people, all these people started following him, and then he discovered that he needed to teach them. He went up a mountain with these people following him, and he gave the greatest sermon ever preached. Let's talk about a mountaintop experience. That was it. He turned the world upside down with this sermon, and then he lived out that entire ministry from that mountaintop. From that mountaintop on, I should say. He went down into the valley, and he lived out what he preached on the mountaintop. And then at the very end of his ministry, we studied last week his other mountaintop experience where he was at the top of the mountain and there's this this transfiguration that occurs in Jesus' life and you see this amazing gaze between the people of the past that Jesus has built his ministry upon, the foundation that they have provided of their sacrifices and their loyalty and their faith, and then the people of the future that Jesus was going to put the hands of the church into and was going to endow with the Holy Spirit so that they could bring about Jesus' kingdom. And you see this amazing gaze that takes place between these two groups of people. We joined him there at the top of the mountain last week. And this week we are now going to visit Jesus again in his ministry at another mountaintop experience. But it's so much different than a transfiguration or the greatest sermon ever preached But it's actually Jesus in his time of most temptation, in his time of greatest struggle. And it's Jesus when he finally conquers and and he he turns away from the devil. And he sends the devil away. And and there's this incredible mountain experience that the text ends up on. So, So follow this text and you will see where we end up at the top of the mountain with Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says, Then Jesus was led up in by the Spirit into the wilderness... To be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. Then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. What an incredible visual of Jesus at the top of this mountain 
finally resisting the devil and sending the devil away. And you see these angels coming and serving him. And, and I don't know if they were giving him food or taking care of him, but you have this beautiful visual of these angels coming to take care of Jesus's every needs, every need. But there's also this other poignant image. There's this moment when Jesus is in the desert and he is tempted and he is struggling and he is having one of the hardest times of his entire life. He has fasted for 40 days and the scripture tells us that he was famished. He was so hungry. And as we read this verse, it's not hard to start thinking about our own lives and about the desert times that we've had in our life. Have you ever had a desert time in your life? Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt that God, it was really hard to connect with God and that you felt that God's plan was not at work in your life? Was there ever a desert time where there was just no productivity or where you just felt like you were waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing was happening? Or maybe there was just tragedy after tragedy and you just felt this desert time was going on and on and there was no good that was going to come from it. But this scripture today teaches us that God uses the desert times in order to strengthen us for the journey ahead and prepares us for the greatest adventures that we can ever possibly imagine. Now, when I was 20, uh, actually in my 20s, I had graduated from a great college and I felt that every, the whole world was before me. And so I put my resume together and I started to apply to one job after another. Now, this was the Sacramento area. And actually, the dot-com industry had just burst. The bubble had just burst. And since it was Sacramento so close to San Francisco, there were thousands upon thousands of high executives, high-level executives and upper-level management that were suddenly coming in to scoop up every single entry-level job that existed. And this job search went on for a year, and then two years, and then another year. And I had a job that I was doing, you know, just to get benefits on the side. Barista. Anybody have ever been a barista? But I knew that that wasn't my calling because I can't fulfill a drink order for the life of me. The amount of return drinks I had in that. So I knew that that's not where God wanted me to be. I'm, I thank God for people who are, who are made for that job because it's, <laughs> it really makes the day better, doesn't it? But I knew that's not where God was calling me. And I was having such a hard time. And I was actually falling into a period of depression in my life. And I was really struggling. And one day I came home and I said to my mom, you know, mom, I, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. And I don't, don't really see anything happening or coming of it. And I don't know what's going on. And I remember my mom saying to me, you know, maybe this is a desert time in your life. And it's a time when God is preparing you for something that's really big. And what God wants you to do right now is to stay on the bench, to gather strength, and get ready for something huge that's about to happen. And she was absolutely right. Now, the common assumption in life is that desert times are, are times when God is not active in our life. Or that desert times are these times when God's plan is not at work in our life because we don't see a lot of things being accomplished. We don't feel like we're gaining a lot of ground or that we don't feel like we're finally fulfilling all of God's calling for us in our life. But what this scripture is teaching us is that desert times are actually times when God is preparing us and strengthening us for the road ahead. Wow. Now, 
I don't know about you, but if I look at Jesus, I see one of the most action-oriented people that ever existed on the face of the earth. This guy, if there was ever a guy that was designed to teach, and he was built to, to, to love and to heal and to lead and to do and to wake up at 5 in the morning. Every time you open the scripture, this guy's waking up at 5 in the morning to go and get ready for the day ahead. This was a doer. But instead, God decides to begin Jesus' ministry with an extended period of desert in front of him. A time of preparation, a time of challenge. And if we're honest, those times of desert are the toughest times, aren't they? They're the times when we're the most vulnerable and when our, our faith feels like it could be shaken out from underneath us. Those desert times are the times when we are most likely to be confused. And by the way, one of the things that's really interesting about this verse is the way in which the devil uses confusion in order to make us turn away from God, to make Jesus turn away from God. And that's the same in this world. That The number one tool of the devil, the number one tool of evil, the tempter, it's called the templar or Satan or darkness. See all that confusion in there? The number one tool is confusion. And even in this verse, you find that The devil is using confusion, is trying to confuse Jesus' mind about what is true and what is not true. But thank God that Jesus had been taught by the rabbis and had taught the rabbis that Jesus was someone who knew his scripture. And he turned to scripture. And what we can learn from this passage is how important scripture is. How important it is for us to base and root our life and our mind and our soul and our heart in scripture because Sometimes we're not sure what's true. And sometimes it sounds like one thing is true and someone sounds so convincing about what they're saying and they're offering so much to us. And it feels like that's the green pasture over there. And suddenly we discover when we look at scripture, that's not the way the world's supposed to be. That's not how it's meant to be. That's not what Jesus intended for our lives. Did you know that Jesus cites in this in this few pages that we have of the New Testament and quotes from Jesus Christ, he cites scripture 78 times. There's a reason that our Bible is made up of 85% Old Testament of the word of God. See, the founding fathers knew because Jesus had taught them, they knew, the disciples knew that scripture was so important. And if this ministry was going to succeed, they were going to have to point others and they were going to have to point their lives and they were going to have to point everything they did towards scripture. You know, when I look back at that moment when my mom was talking to me in my desert period, I realized that she wasn't really just deriving this wisdom out of thin air. You know, hey, I've lived a great life. I've lived all over the world. And, you know, this is what I, this is what I think is happening in your life. See, what I now know looking back on that experience is that my mother had been to church many years in her life. And had heard scripture and had walked with people who had followed scripture with their life. And her husband was a pastor, so she was probably sick of hearing about scripture in her life. But see, if I would look back on that moment and the thing that gave me hope and that gave me encouragement in the moment of my despair, in the moment when I thought everything should just be given up and maybe I should just try just to go with the flow. Isn't that what the devil just wants Jesus to do? Just go with the flow. And in that moment... It wasn't my mom's voice that I was hearing, but I was hearing the voice of Scripture. It wasn't her that was leading me, encouraging me. It was Jesus Christ through Scripture. It was the Holy Spirit resurrecting. 
accepting what could have otherwise been a dead and lifeless moment and turning it into a jungle of opportunity. And you know what? The miracle in my life is that it happened. After a period of years of desert, suddenly I got a call from my brother who said, you want to start a church? What? Is that even possible? Do people start churches? That's... And then we went to Pastor Robles and we started a church. And in the period of three years, that church went from zero to a thousand people. Now, this isn't just people. These are relationships. These are enigmatic, charismatic, wonderful people who are on fire for Christ. And they're loving one another. They have small groups. They have community with one another. This was a dynamic environment. And trust me, the amount of sleepless nights that I had, the amount of burning out moments that I had, the amount of fun that we had at that church was unbelievable. We were building a building at the same time that we were setting up worship in a movie theater every single morning, or every single Sunday morning. At four o'clock in the morning, we would get there. Talk about daylight savings. This stuff is, this stuff is, this stuff's easy. But I knew at that moment that if I had been burning myself out for some meaningless cause or some other purpose that was not what God had planned for me during that desert period, I would have completely burned out during that time that I was needed for God's purposes in this world. And that's not to say that my life has turned into some great big Shangri-La and that everything in that period in Pastor Nobles was perfect. There were even desert moments within that jungle of opportunity moment, within that Garden of Eden moment. And there were even challenges beyond, your, beyond anything that you can imagine. There were moments within it in which I needed to grow and be strengthened for this road. Talk about a challenge is when I walked away from that church, from all of those relationships and all of that love and all of that energy and all of that potential and everything that I felt that God was calling me to so that I could go to seminary. And so my wife got a job down here, it's just enough so that we could go to seminary. And I'm sitting inside of the library with my nose in books, knowing what an exciting world there is outside and feeling like I am not accomplishing God's purposes for my life in any meaningful way. I could not possibly see how this was helping the world in any way. And then my wife lost her job. So... Young married couple that we are, everybody's favorite dream come true, we moved in with her parents. We lived with them for a year, and man, I love her parents. But there is that element of pride, and there is that element of wanting to see some kind of progress going. There's the kind of world that I feel should be created, the way that I think my life should go, and there's the way that God's leading it. Then, when we overstayed our welcome there... We moved in with my parents for a year and a half. And while we were with my parents, we had our first baby, Ella. Talk about tough times. I mean, amazing times having grandma and grandpa there all the time. But do you get what I'm saying? It wasn't the plan that I thought that was going to happen with my life. That's not how I would have written the script. That's not how I would have set things up. That's not how I would have prepared myself for the road ahead. But during that desert time, during seminary, when I was having the hardest time trying to learn Hebrew and Greek, which is just, talk about a desert moment. Jason knows what I'm talking about. Malia knows what I'm talking about. Anybody else ever had to learn Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew and Greek? It's like nine hands just went up. Don't look. But I remembered the desert time before. 
I remembered the time when I felt that everything was worth giving up and that I was just going to throw my hands in the air and just walk away from it all. And I remembered that God was preparing me before and that God was likely preparing me for another great adventure. And before the ink was dry on my diploma, I was here. At the apex of another great moment in history. At the at the center of one of the next great adventures of my life in a way that I never could possibly have imagined being ever. So what's your desert time? And what is God doing in that desert time to strengthen you and prepare you for the road ahead? Jesus was brought into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit so that he could be challenged beyond, beyond his imagination. Beyond, up to the very brink. And I'm sure that that moment, those times that he had in the desert, came into his life quite frequently when he was talking about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Don't you think that he referred back to the times when he was in the desert and he was so hungry? And don't you think that when he was on top of the mountain and he was talking to God and his disciples, he was reflecting on the moments when he had to be challenged by the devil himself And he remembered how he had overcome those moments using scripture, pointing to scripture with the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to resist. And there's one other thing. People often cite, oh, well, you know, that was Jesus. And and, and look at my life. That's not so easy for all of us to do. What people don't often understand is that when Jesus died on the cross... And then was resurrected. He imparted a gift to you and to me that we just have to say yes to. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. Where do I derive this information from? I'm only pointing to scripture right now. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he said he would be with us. That he would be present in our lives and he would be guiding our thoughts. And he would guide us through the desert times. So that means that we don't have to be in the desert alone. That in the desert, we are there with Jesus Christ by our side. Encouraging us and pointing us to scripture and pointing us to the truth and bringing light to the moments of darkness that would otherwise want to challenge us and want to confuse us and want to distract us and want to convince us that God has no plan for us. We should be encouraged. You should be encouraged. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for coming into our deserts. Thank you for being active in our life, even when we feel that you're not. Lord, thank you for using these moments of challenge in order to prepare us for incredible things. Lord, we know that we cannot do what you do without you. We know that without you, Lord, we would make all the wrong decisions and that we would walk through life saying yes over and over again to the darkness and yes to the confusion and agreeing to go with the flow. Lord, you are good and you rescue us and you save us and you draw us close to you. And Lord, we thank you 
for the way in which you guide our steps and you have planned our life because, Lord, your plan for us is more perfect than we could ever imagine. And we thank you that all the kingdoms of the world are yours. You are our king, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.